following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Jump in the hurdles Getting caught in that rush of doing so much I'm feeling kind of worn out All this checking the boxes Trying to be flawless Has me spinning my head Catching my breath Too afraid to slow down I tell myself to keep this up That God wants more than just my love But I've been complicating things Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. This week, joining us, we have a special guest, our dear friend Tim, who's a missionary all over the world. I'll let Tom do the rest of the intro, so without further ado, over to you, Tom Dupree, our host. Yeah, we're looking forward to talking with Tim. Uh, I do want to start, well, you turn that off pretty quick. Is that... Is that bothering you or something? I just want to get down to business. Okay. All right, we'll get down to business. Um, I, I typically start with a psalm, and today is no different. Psalm 25. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed, which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and loving kindnesses, for they have ever been of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show him his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net, turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. 
The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. That's Psalm 25. So I want to talk about our guest a little bit, uh, Tim. He has a family. I think he's got four or five children. Uh, he is uh, pretty young for what he's doing, uh, which is very interesting. Um, he is doing, you might call it in a broad sense, missionary work, but what he's really doing is uh, empowering entrepreneurs uh, and spreading the gospel in uh, countries where uh, business and business skills are sorely needed. And that's what's fascinating about his brand of mission work. It involves uh, business and helping people to sustain themselves. So, Tim, welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Tom, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. You know, uh, I got to know you, I don't know, it's been two or three years ago, and uh, I was struck by uh, uh, your inventiveness and, you know, just just things that uh, you were talking about doing with the gospel and um you know I, I think it would be helpful for you to give a little background of how you and your wife and your family got into the the mission field yeah well i'm happily married my wife's name is karen we've been married for about almost 12 years and i have four children we had them fast. We had four kids in three years, if you can believe it. We proved it could be done. Wow. So we had, we had twins. And um, from the beginning, I met my, my wife in, at university, and we, uh, she was studying nursing, and I was studying business, but we both were really uh, interested in using those skill sets uh, for missions work and to further the gospel. Just didn't quite know how that would work. And right out of college, ended up taking a senior project and turned it into a startup business uh, over in Africa. And very rapidly uh, started getting to interact with lots of different groups from nonprofits and humanitarian groups to church planting teams to missionaries to local entrepreneurs. And being very entrepreneurial myself, I was just helping people as best I could and really learning through failure. I think that's kind of the, one of the, the major kind of players in, in our work is just always trying to fail forward <laughs> and de demystifying this idea of failure. I think that's um, very important, both in the business world and in, in missions. And Tom, what I noticed really quickly was there were a lot of uh, groups that were trying to help people and they hadn't really thought about what I call feedback loops. They, they just had an idea and were helicoptering in and they were going to 
help a bunch of people. And over time, I started seeing uh, some common themes pop up. And so through that, I just, I got involved with a lot of these different groups and started uh, helping them design and think just a little bit differently. Sort of, okay, expand on that a little bit. What do you mean by helicoptering in and what do you mean by doing it differently? Well, I think, uh, you know, in the West and in the USA, we've got, uh, inherently we have a lot of really great things in our culture. We're very entrepreneurial. We have a independence mindset, a get or done attitude. And when you apply that, uh, to a developing nation, usually what ends up happening is you have a lot of uh, American groups come in with a plan and they just begin to execute the plan. And what happens is if you don't involve local context and local people from the start and really give them a seat at the table, they'll really let you drive however fast you want to drive as long as there's money at the table, whether you're actually getting anything done or not. And so I guess a good example would be if, you know, if you and I were going to start a business, Tom, you know, we're looking for one thing real quick from our first meeting is where's the money? (laughs) Where's the cash flow coming from? Right. I mean, it's like 30 days in 60 days in 90 days in, if we're not seeing cash flow, you and I are like, uh Oh, we're in trouble. Right. We, a good entrepreneur, you know, we probably wouldn't even start a business unless we had some purchase orders up front, that kind of thing. That's right. That's not really common thinking, um, in, in some circles. And so that's where I was talking about feedback loops. I think it's really important in ministry and missions and in business that we design, uh, to receive feedback. And so that's what really, uh, an aha moment that uh, we had when we were working uh, in a kind of a closed country was started asking for feedback. And I was realizing that I was working with a humanitarian group. They kind of had like a seven year feedback loop, meaning maybe every seven years they get together as a board and kind of discuss if what they were doing was working. And so we started really chatting with them about what if we could actually ask the people that you're serving what it is, what the needs are that they're having and what it is that they see for their own local context. What if we could empower them to be change agents and and solutionists, if you will, in their own local context. And so we spent about a project, this is in a slum in Africa. We spent uh, about a year and a half just asking questions and listening, gathering information instilling dignity at the table for these men and women. And out of that, what we learned, it was really amazing. Long story short, there were hundreds and hundreds of single mothers in this community. And this community, just to paint the picture for you, no running water, no functional toilet system, 99.9% unemployment, really, really hopeless. Half the over half the people in this community were HIV positive. Oh my gosh! And so just no hope at all. Dire situation. No hope at all. Really sad. But instead of just coming in and trying to, you know, honestly, Tom, there's a graveyard of water wells in this slum. I mean, so many people had come in and and done water wells, and then they dry up because there was no word for maintain in this local culture. Right. There was no word for invest in their local language. 
and there is no word for future, if you can believe that. So you have a, a local culture that doesn't have a maintenance, future, investment-minded thing. And so if you just come in and drill a water well and you don't ever ask questions, you never learn that. And so we, we took a survey, all of uh, all the Americans, we all voted on what we thought were, were their number, kind of their top three needs. And we voted, we thought water and education and food. And those were, those were great, great guesses. But we decided to track uh, and ask all the single mothers, what, what was their vision for their neighborhood and their community? Now, this is in a slum. And you'd be shocked because they had never been treated like this. They, they had never been asked even uh, by an outsider, what is your dream for your life? And so as we began to just ask them, 100%, they all gave, this is all individual interviews. And we tracked it all in a big spreadsheet. And the survey says the number one thing that they, that they wanted was actually it wasn't food first or water first. They were okay. They walk about a mile to get water. They were okay with that. Number one was they wanted functional toilets. And we totally missed it. Totally didn't have it. Like, I mean, we weren't even close, right? It wasn't even in our top three uh, thinking. But because we built a feedback loop where they had a voice and a seat at the table, we learned this new information. Just by, so, just by asking. Just by asking. And so I can tell you the end of that story here in a little bit, but I think it, it would be really good to back up just a little bit and give you some context on my wife and I and our work, if I may. We, um, our role is called Entrepreneur in Residence, and we work for a nonprofit called Cornerstone International, which is based in Wilmore. And we are... Um, our main role is we come alongside uh, international teams and promote innovative thinking. So we're helping bring an entrepreneurial thought pattern to promote learning uh, and, and adapting, really. Because anytime you work in a context like this slum, I've just painted this picture for you, people are living on less than $2 a day, extreme material poverty. You really have to be willing to adapt and learn. And, and the goal with all of this is to foster relational discipleship leading to effective mission efforts. We really want people to meet Jesus and then be able to stand on their own two feet and hear from his spirit and provide for themselves. And I think that's really the heart behind the entrepreneurial thinking is how do we build sustainable disciples that can begin to fund their own missional efforts in their own neighborhoods? And I think that that has a lot of dignity uh, in play. So that's kind of what what I do day to day. Um, and that let me there. You ended up in that same country doing something in some prisons that had tremendous impact. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think uh, as we leave there, let me let me share with you just a little bit of um, thinking around poverty so that we kind of have a baseline. Because if I jump straight into this, uh, it'll probably spark a lot of questions that I want to dig into. But I think inherently it's really important 
for us to define poverty before we get into all this because it, it's what leads us to define the actual work. And so this, this isn't anything that I've created. I just am always the guy, you know, the guy in school who always, where they say, do you have any questions? And then there's that one guy that always raises his hand and he's got a question. That, that was me. That's me. I'm always the guy that asks the dumb questions uh -huh. because I just think I love learning. And if you can ask the question that everybody's thinking, but no one's willing to ask, uh, you can learn even more. And so I've, I've just learned a lot through a lot of books and asking these questions. And I love how there's a, a really amazing man named Bryant Myers. He wrote a book called Walking with the Poor. It's a really detailed book about uh, how to walk with people who are in material poverty. And we really define material poverty, Tom, as someone who lives off of less than $2, two U.S. dollars per day. Yeah, that's pretty poor. That's, that's really materially poor. And yeah. so Bryant and his work, um, he says that poverty can be best understood as a set of broken relationships. That's so, interesting. Right. Yeah, so right there, and, and I'll break this down for us here. If we were sitting in the office, I'd draw it out on the whiteboard, but all of us can experience brokenness uh, in these relationships in different ways. And so he immediately says poverty is not just about money, which is oftentimes you know, right where we jump. But he, he contends that poverty is a broken relationship with God, a broken relationship with yourself, a broken relationship with others, and then a broken relationship with creation. And if we, if we look at broken relationship with God, well, that we can see that would be a lack of belief or commitment to God. Or maybe idolatry, placing our security, trust, belief in, in false gods. And the second facet is a broken relationship with self. And we see this a lot in believing we're in control. Uh, maybe we don't need God. Or the other side of it, so that would be like a very high self-esteem. Uh, the other side would be low self-esteem, lack of dignity, lack of hope. We saw that in that slum, right, where people, they had no hope. Yeah. That would be a, a broken relationship with self. The third aspect of this is a broken relationship with other people. So we see that in how people abuse each other. And and then the last would be a relationship with creation. So maybe a, a loss of purpose or uh, laziness or the opposite workaholism and then poor stewardship and, and the use of resources. And there's an amazing group. I don't know if you've heard of them there in, uh, in Tennessee, I believe they're called the Chalmers center. And they've done a lot. They've taken this work and they built it out and they actually have studied how is poverty caused. And I find this really fascinating and can I tell you kind of what they say, what their research has found? Yeah, we got about we got about two minutes in this segment, but go ahead. Okay. Well, let's talk about this, and we can jump into some case studies next segment. Okay. So they say that poverty is caused by broken people, broken individuals, destructive practices. Yeah, that could be culture. Broken systems. We see that in corruption. Things don't work. Uh, false gods or, you know, kind of not believing in God. And then the fifth, they say demonic forces. So those are the five things that cause poverty. So the byproduct then is all the stuff that we see. And what, what this leads us to is that every single person in the entire world has some form of poverty in their lives. 
everybody. Yes. So whether I'm a man in prison in the middle of a slum in Africa and I'm, you know, I'm struggling there, there's aspects of poverty or whether I'm here in the USA with a nice coffee, you know, nice electricity, we all have some sort of form of poverty and we're all in need of a savior. And when we can, when we can kind of see it and view it that way, it totally changes how we think about how you go about alleviating poverty in somebody's life, in somebody's community, uh, in somebody's neighborhood. And I think that that's super important when we're thinking entrepreneurially, how do we go about it? It's not just about starting businesses. It's not just about dumping money on a problem, but we've got to think holistically and we have to design to empower other people to hear from God on their own and to use their own creativity. We were all made to create, to solve their own problems. That's, we're going to have to, Elizabeth, you're going to take, we got to cut it off there for this segment. It's fantastic. Let's jump right back into it when we get done with the break. Well, and it's actually a perfect segue as one of our mottos as Dupree Financial Group is to educate, guide, and empower. And I think the information in this first half has been so great. Fantastic. And I, I, can't, I, want, I want more. Yeah, I can't wait to get to the second half. So hang on with us. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show coming to you from the Dupree Studios on Main Street in Lexington. We'll be right back. This is what's happening. The final presidential debate. The kind of money that you were raking in. I have not taken a penny. Get the latest. He's a corrupt politician. You know who he is. Check in often. The massive surge of COVID positive cases. With News Radio 630 WLAP. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to The Tom Dupree Show, Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Killer hits. Commercial free. That's Halloween Radio on iHeartRadio. From Thriller to Ghostbusters, Nightmare on My Street to Monster Mash, and so many more. This spooky station is perfect for putting you in the Halloween spirit all month long. Plus, our Halloween playlist has all the fright with even more bite. Just open the free iHeartRadio app and search Halloween. It's all there waiting for you. iHeartRadio, number one for music, radio, and podcasting all in one app. iHeartRadio. Mountains come to life. Rivers and lakes welcome you back. The open road calls. Kentucky is full of wondrous natural beauty, exhilarating outdoor adventures, and charming towns. 
even to those who call it home. Stay close. Go far. Plan your getaway at KentuckyTourism.com. Are you a survivor of sexual abuse while in the Boy Scouts? You may be entitled to compensation, but your time to file a claim is limited. Call 1-800-991-3116. As a result of thousands of victims filing sexual abuse claims, the Boy Scouts have filed for bankruptcy protection, and the bankruptcy court has set November 16, 2020 as the deadline for abuse survivors to file a claim. Call 1-800-991-3116. That's 1-800-991-3116 for more information. Your call is completely anonymous. Go to officialbsaclaims.com. Sponsored by Mark J. Byrne and Partners, LLP. A few isolated showers will be around for you the first half of this Saturday, but generally we should be on the drier side throughout much of today. Cloudy skies and cooler temperatures are going to be with us. Highs today only topping out into the lower 50s with mostly cloudy skies. I'm WKY Team Gerald News Down in Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeart Radio Station. It's happening. In just days, Publishers Clearinghouse will be ready to award $1,000 a day for life. Enter now at PCH.com, and you and your family could soon be celebrating the win of a lifetime. Don't miss your last chance to win $1,000 a day for life. Go to PCH.com before it's too late. That's PCH.com. Better hurry if you want the next big winner to be you. Enter at PCH.com now. Entries due 1028. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Guys, you know that new Untucked shirt you've been eyeing? Well, now's your chance to save big on all your favorites with the sale happening right now at Untucked.com for a limited time only. At Untucked, we design shirts to be worn untucked. Our shirts are the perfect way to feel comfortable and look sharp, so the next time you have to roll out of bed and straight onto a Zoom call, reach for an Untucked shirt instead. Don't miss your chance to save big on these top styles for the season with the sale going on now at Untucked.com. Untucked, shirts designed to be worn untucked. President Trump is back, and Newsmax TV is fully covering his rallies live and without interruption. Newsmax TV is rising fast. Watch great shows with Greg Kelly and Sean Spicer. Plus, on weekends, Mike Huckabee, Michelle Malkin, and Diamond and Silk. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. Check your guide. Get Newsmax free on Roku, Zumo, YouTube, Pluto, Apple TV, Chromecast, Amazon Fire, and Samsung and LG. Or download the free Newsmax app on your smartphone and start watching now. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630-WLAP. There you go.
Welcome back to the second half of the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Today we have joining us Tim, who's with Cornerstone International. The first half was dynamite. I can't wait to hear what he's got to say the second half. Take it away, Tom. <laughs> um, Tim, just let's keep talking about what you were talking about earlier, which was this notion of, you know, and, and I, this is interesting. I'm going to just add a little bit of my own stuff here. I have always suspected that poverty was not about money. Uh, in fact, I know it's not. And, and I've been in the business of money and investments for, 42 years and uh, have seen uh, a lot of different people handle money a lot of different ways. And um, there is uh, an inner brokenness in really every human being. I mean, it's, it's Mm -hmm. not, uh, uh, there's nobody that's completely whole on the inside. And, um, you know, money has equaled power for a long time. It can equal love. It can equal, uh, uh various things. Uh, and people's approach to it is as different as their wounds are. Uh, but typically mm-hmm. they will, uh, not always, but you know, quite often people approach money from, a place of, of, of woundedness. And, you know, you'll, you'll see that. And, um, it's not necessarily the primary way everybody approaches money, but it does have something to do with it. And the way they view themselves and the way they view God, um, and, you know, some people really get down to whether they view themselves as poor or wealthy, um, but it's a it's a it's a self image and a, a God image kind of deal. It it isn't really just about money, uh, and that's right. interested interesting to hear you say that. Well, I, I've seen you know I have real experiential case studies seeing. NGOs, non-governmental organizations, you know, big nonprofits going into communities and promoting starting a business or getting a job. And if you take someone from $2 a day to three or four, maybe sometimes even eight, if you're not addressing them as a whole person, if you just see their issue as materially poor, I've seen it do more damage than good because you have someone who maybe is dealing with alcoholism and abusing his wife or maybe has two wives, who knows, in some of these local places. Now having more money, all they're really doing is affording to go to hell faster. You know, I mean, they can just get, they can buy more of what they, what their vice is. And I think that's, I think it brings up a really key point that you have, I love to look at, the greatest man that ever lived on the earth. I like to look at his model and his strategy. And I believe that Jesus 
And he actually says, if you look at his strategy, he says in Luke 4, he says, I have come to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, because that is why I was sent. And I think that the goal of, of the biblical story of change is not just getting people saved. I think it's really experiencing flourishing. When you bring Christ into your life, you then begin to enter into a new relationship where you can use your, your mind, your affections, your will, and your body to enjoy a loving relationship with God, self, others, and the rest of creation. And to me, that's the antithesis of poverty. And so if, if that's the worldview, and that's my worldview, that's where I'm coming from, then I think we, we can really see people begin to uplift themselves out of poverty in a really powerful way in partnership with God and in partnership with other believers. And that's, I think, what gets me most excited, getting to work with people all over the world now and help them think a little bit differently is, let me just, let me just say it this way. If, if you came to my little town over here in Oklahoma, I know the best place to get barbecue, right? I mean, we got to get there at 10 in the morning and we got to stand in line, but man, it's going to be good. Yeah. If, if I come over and visit you, Tom, you're going to know the best places, right? You're going to say, okay, we got to go here. I got us a spot. They're going to let me, I know the manager. Yeah, well, but, 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 little, but we ain't got barbecue like you got barbecue. Well, we don't have to get into all the discussions here. Right. I just, I'm just throwing out. If let's just say you and I wanted to go solve the water crisis in Ethiopia, for example. Yeah. Well, who's going to be best suited to solve the water crisis in Ethiopia? Ethi Probably Ethiopians. Yes, the Ethiopians exactly. And so I think that's the beauty of this way of thinking is it no longer is about projects, but it becomes about people, and that's something that I think is really key: people over projects. And then you can begin to empower local people to collaborate, to connect with one another, to dare I say maybe hear from God for themselves, to study the word. And then these solutions that are developed, they're nothing that we could have come up with on our own, but it's this, uh, this beautiful collaboration. And so let me jump back to the case study in the slum with the single mamas real quick because I want to tell you what happened there. If you remember, we, you know, my whole team, we were thinking, okay, it's water. That's what we're going for. So we're starting to talk to engineers about water. And the moms wanted what? They wanted toilets. And so instead of doing it for them, Tom, we just began to empower them. How would they go about building a toilet? Who would they ask? How would they learn how to do this? And we just put out a clipboard. Who wants to learn how to do this? And they signed up. And next thing you know, in 11 months, this is like a healthcare miracle. In 11 months, they went from no functional toilet system, just open defecation in the community, to every single home having access to a clean functioning toilet that was sustainable, built by the community, managed and maintained by the local community, and fully funded by the local community. Unbelievable. Because purely, and there's nothing that... that no, not rocket science. We just asked them what, what was their dream for their community. And that to me is what's so beautiful. When you empower someone to hear from God for themselves, when you give them a, a, a seat at the table to have dignity, man, it's so 
freeing and empowering to see flourishing in somebody's life. And so then that led to, you're mentioning this prison thing. We have, and I'll make this, this is a long story I could draw, drag out really long, but the moms, after they developed these toilets, they began to want to do food sustainability. And so we began to connect with local farmers on how best to do that. And they uh, self-funded, each mother began to help the, the next from the proceeds of her garden start the next garden on, on down the line through the whole community. It was really cool. And what ended up happening was got connected to the prison system there, had a friend who was wrongfully imprisoned, actually. And he was in a cell that's built for five or six men, and there were 30 men in this cell. And this is a terrible uh, African prison. You know, no, no running water, no toilets there. 30 guys in a cell built for six. And he began to uh, just teach these men in his cell and hear their stories. And they really, ultimately, they all wanted to learn how to read. And so uh, this particular country is a kind of a closed country, Marxist government. He lobbied the warden and said, hey, these guys want to read. I'd like to teach them how to read the Bible. And the warden said, well, you can't. You know, you can't have a Bible, but you can teach them how to read out of the Bible, basically. But you can't teach them religion. You can teach them how to read, which is kind of funny. But he began to teach these guys how to read. He ended up getting out of prison and would go back and kind of start a whole school in the prison. And as these guys were going through learning to read the Bible, they began to have relationship with Jesus Christ, and it began to transform them. So they're in prison probably one of the worst prisons in the world. And they began to have these crazy creative ideas for their own situation. What if, what if we could grow our own food? And so long story short, we took some of the farming stuff we'd been doing in this slum and through the chaplains began to introduce it to these men in the prison. And so it was a maximum security prison. You know, so they had like the two outer walls. They had a lot of land out there. And they actually began to grow crops, and it, it flourished so much that they were able to not only feed themselves, but they were able to feed all the guards and their families, the warden and his family, and they were able to sell the excess. The chaplains would take it, sell it in the market, and they were able to raise money for medicine, and they would go cell to cell, preaching the gospel and administering medical care to anybody that needed it. And it was just amazing. And out of that, then we began to teach other prisons what we were doing. And so this thing, it ended up expanding into lots and lots of prisons really quickly. And it was just really cool to see these guys coming up with their own solutions to their own poverty in the midst of prison as they were, uh, as they were meeting Christ. Really, really cool. That's just remarkable. Um, it's, in, it's incredible that something like that might happen. Why don't we talk a little bit about what you're doing now uh, at Cornerstone, if, if you don't mind, uh, and talk a little bit about where you're working and what you're working on and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd love to. 
So Cornerstone International is a, a missions agency. They actually cover and send out missionaries. They have missionaries now in about, I think, I think it's 16 nations. And so all over the world. And as uh, entrepreneurs do, you know, we design programs, projects to be able to stand alone. And so uh, last year we ended up handing off a lot of the uh, projects we were working on to the locals and began to talk with Cornerstone's leadership about what would it look like if we could kind of expand what we're doing and give away our thinking to lots of other teams much quicker than we currently were doing. And as far as I know, it's quite an innovative uh, ask or situation that they developed with us where they brought us on as entrepreneurs and residents on their team, which basically means uh, we get to collaborate with all of their teams all over the world and, and really help, uh, help these missionaries and teams go into environments as learners and seek to partner with what God is already doing in these communities across the world. And so that's, that's been a really exciting last 18 months from rebuilding all their technology, uh, making it really mobile specific for the missionaries, all the way to uh, developing an innovation course on helping missionaries take their work from uh, crisis focus all the way to development. So kind of like you go in with crisis or relief work, how do we then ultimately build out our work so that it can stand alone? And ultimately we can have an exit plan and, and pass it on uh, to the people that live in that community. And that's, it's just been an honor to get to work with Cornerstone and uh, be a part of what they're doing. We love their uh, community and they have, if you're ever in the Wilmore area on Thursday morning, they actually have a house of prayer there. And you can come and pray with us, pray for the missionaries, and pray for some of the work that God's doing all over the world. Yeah, it, it's a it's a great organization. Uh, I know uh, Craig uh, Garrison, the guy that uh, that runs it, uh, and, and his wife, Kara, and uh, they're really uh, – lovely people and you know it's it's not a large missions organization but it it seems like it's very close-knit and uh and uh everybody knows each other and loves each other yeah i think i think that with craig's leadership you know he's done a great job of really looking at reasons why mission efforts fail globally there's a lot of research on this now one of the ways is a lack of care, what's called member care and caring for missionaries. There are all sorts of trigger points and pain points along the journey of moving your family cross-culturally. And I think that he's done an awesome job designing for those fail points and really trying to set, uh, set people up for success for the long term, not just some quick flash in a pan, uh, like we were saying, go drill a couple of water wells, but really what would it look like to get to know a culture for a long time and see a kingdom flourishing across the world. And so definitely a small organization, but I would, I would say a very healthy and impactful in the best of ways. You know, um, if you really look at the model of the United States of America, it has been kind of like a big mission organization. <laughs> and I mean, the USA 
the government, everything. We have gone out there and done it the American way and, and sort of put our print on, on cultures and countries all over the place. And, um, in a strange way, uh, what it seems to have gotten us is, uh, resentment and a whole heck of a lot of debt. Um, and I, I've been in the investment business a long time, as I've told you, I've seen, you know, the U S rack up all the, the, these bills and it's, it's, it's like, um, behind all that benevolence is, is a desire to control things. And, um, yep. you know, that of course, uh, has, has also transferred to the mission field. It just seems like that model isn't going to work as well going forward. Well, I, I think what you're bringing up is an interesting point around control, you know, and I think that's why I wanted to define poverty holistically for, for your listeners, because I think it's so important. I'm actually just thinking right now about this Psalm you read at the start of the show. Psalm 25, in verse 18, you know, it says, look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. And I think whether we're Americans or whether we're in Asia somewhere, Africa, if we can all put ourselves in that verse, make each of us make that our prayer personally, then it really is a great equalizer because then it's no longer, well, we, we have all the answers, but rather it's, Help me, Lord, for I'm a sinner, and I also need your grace and your salvation. And when you shift the control back over to God and what he's doing, you know, it reminds me, I think it's in John 15, it's Jesus's model for how did he know where to minister? They were kind of asking, like, how do you know? And Jesus answers, it's such an amazing way to answer. He says, I can do nothing on my own, but I look to see where God is working. And where he's working, I join him in that. And I know that he loves me, so he's going to show me what to do. And I turn that on myself. I say, how can I know, if I want to be like Jesus, how can I know where to minister? And I think it's that you're hitting on this point of control. It's giving that control back over to say, you know what, I can do nothing on my own. But I I want to make it my full-time job to look to see where God is working. And where he's working, I want to join him in that. And then this anchoring of my identity, that I'm a sinner saved by grace, it really makes it uh, a much, it shifts control back over to the people in each context, each nation, each city, uh, where we're partnering and working. And I do think, you know, Tom, if you, if you go all over the world, you see America has, not only have we exported our values, we've also exported our religion and our faith. And I believe it's now the stats are that Africa as a whole, with all the salvations that have happened in Africa, Africa as a continent has now been saved over four times. It may be five. You know, that's how many crusades and, and uh, confirmed salvations we've had. But that's where I'm contending and saying, I think that Jesus's message was more than just salvation. It was about flourishing. It was about bringing the kingdom onto earth. It was about this holistic gospel and i think that that's what god's doing in a big way all over the world you wouldn't even couldn't even imagine all the things that he's doing even in the midst we see on the news all the craziness that's happening in the world but god's still at work 
don't be lulled to sleep that he's kind of taken a path. God is still working all over the world, and we can uh, we can see that. That's such a perfect place to wrap up this hour. Tim, you're such an inspiration. Give our love to your sweet family. We appreciate you joining us on the Tom Dupree Show. And we will be back the second half of the hour to talk about the financial markets. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. We'll be back in just a few minutes with the second hour. Stay tuned. This is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400.